0: Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Google. Today's Wednesday, October 14th. US food costs are up, stocks are down, and we're focused on the stimulus stalemate. Earlier today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin met via phone for about an hour on the forever stalled stimulus package. Mnuchin later said that getting a deal done before the election will be difficult, while Pelosi called the talks productive. The bottom line, there's still no deal. Six months after most American taxpayers got those stimulus checks, which they then spent on everything from rent to groceries. Two months after expanded unemployment benefits expired, or since businesses could apply for forgivable loans. Oh, and again, just three weeks before the election. So we want to go deeper on where things really stand and why D.C. can't do what seems so obviously required for our economy with House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. So, Congressman, are we closer to a deal today than we were, say, two or three weeks ago, or are we basically at the same stalemate?
1: Well, I think we're closer to the extent that I think Secretary Mnuchin wants to get to a deal. I think Speaker Pelosi wants to get to a deal. A lot of people are depending upon getting a deal. A lot of people who are really hurting, and we need to make a deal as soon as possible. When I say a deal, an agreement, as Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi did four times previously with reference to COVID-19, we passed four bills overwhelmingly in a bipartisan fashion. So yes, I think we're closer. We're not there yet. But I think it was a productive sign that uh, they spent an hour today talking about how we can reach
0: agreement. Speaking of that, Secretary Mnuchin today, after that call with Speaker Pelosi, talked about some areas of disagreement, talked about how Democrats want more state and local aid, how Republicans want liability protections for schools and for businesses. Are those the biggest sticking points right now, or is it something else? Well, frankly, what the speaker has been focused on is first
1: of all, a testing regime that will work because we're not going to defeat. COVID-19 until we have a testing system that works and a plan that works. And that's what we have in the second HEROES bill that we passed some weeks ago. And secondly, we want to take care of the people most in need, the earned income tax credit, as opposed to the tax cut that's in there for very wealthy people that were put in there by the Republicans in the CARES Act. We want to make sure that the earned income tax credit, the child tax credit are also included so that people get the relief they need because we have a lot of families very, very stressed about child care, about just keeping their heads above water.
0: I know taxes have become a contentious part of this. Can you just explain to me, are there tax cuts in there for the wealthy or, or are you referring to the old bill? Because I understand the issue about the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit, but is the White House proposing new tax cuts in its proposal?
1: No, what they're proposing is deleting from our bill the use of that money that was in CARES, which was stuck in there, had nothing to do with COVID-19. And that tax cut hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars in tax cuts for the wealthiest in our country. And not only that, but they were, they looked back, they were effective for previous years, which had nothing to do with COVID-19. And so we use some of those dollars to help the people who really need it today, as opposed to giving that tax cut. And so the argument is, and frankly, that argument is not going to be one that uh, either Makes an agreement or doesn't make the agreement. We understand the administration's position; they're pretty hard over.
0: Is there an actual document? Is there an actual White House proposal, as opposed to you know Secretary Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi just kind of talking this stuff out? Is there a document somewhere?
1: There is not a document, but that's not unusual. And very frankly, what I think is the real problem here: Secretary Mnuchin, understandably, once he meets with Pelosi, then troops over to talk to Senator McConnell about what the Senate will take. And Senator McConnell has a large number of his caucus. Who want to do zero. They don't want to do anything for anybody, and they've made that pretty clear. And McConnell has said he's got a lot of members in that ballpark. So it makes it difficult for Mnuchin to come to an agreement on the substance of helping people who need help if you've got a lot of people who say, I don't want to do anything.
0: Is it your belief that what Mnuchin negotiates with you guys one way or the other is binding on the White House? In other words, that not not only that he technically speaks for the president, but he really speaks for the president?
1: I think Mnuchin has spoken for the president of four previous agreements that we passed overwhelmingly in a bipartisan fashion, $3 trillion of spending, which is why we're not in a depression or a deep recession. So I think Mnuchin wants to get to a deal. And hopefully, at any given time, hopefully, he has the president's support. When I say that, you know, the president came back from the hospital, said, no deal, we're stopping negotiations. The day after, he said, no, no, we're going to, I'll do three things. The day after that, he said, no, let me talk about your 2.2. Maybe we have 1.8. And then the fourth day, he said, go big or go home. In other words, spend as much as you need to, because every economist says, and Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve said the other day, 2.2, 3.4 is not too much to save our economy.
0: He did. and he, Yeah, he said you can't overdo it. The middle part of the president's tweets on those, the, you know, I would sign a standalone PPP, I would sign a standalone checks for individual taxpayers, I would sign a standalone airline bill. If you have agreement on that, and McConnell has suggested he would sign off on those as well, why not get those done today, save 30,000 airline jobs, get money in people's pockets, stimulate the economy, and certainly help small businesses through a new PPP? Because
1: Powell's point is, if you just do it partially, then you're going to have one struggling segment of the economy, for instance, childcare, those don't deal with childcare restaurants. Doesn't deal with restaurants. Does
0: deal with airlines, but not with restaurants. Small restaurants are devastated by this. But right now, isn't everyone being devastated? I mean, it, it, it is bad when some get left behind, but isn't it better to save some off a sinking ship than let them all drown?
1: We don't have to let all drown. We can save the ship. That's our point. Why throw you know one baby over and save another baby? Of course, they're not talking about babies because we're talking about childcare and they're not. But the fact of the matter is your analogy of saving half the ship. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to save all the ship and save the economy and have a plan in place that is an effective plan to defeat COVID-19 by having a testing plan, which every expert, every health expert says is absolutely essential.
0: Can I ask about that? The one thing that House Democrats did, and you guys actually came back from recess to do this, was, was to vote for the bill for the supplemental funding for the U.S. Postal Service why do a standalone bill for the Postal Service, but not, say, a standalone PPP or standalone airline bill?
1: Well, the reason we did it for a post office is because they were devastating the post office. And coming back and passing that bill stopped DeJoy from doing what he intended to do, in my opinion, at the president's, if not direct direction. But DeJoy said that's what he wants. He doesn't want the Postal Service to be able to deliver mail ballots, because he believes, I think correctly, he's going to lose the overwhelming majority of of mail ballots. So it was necessary to staunch that destruction of the Postal Service, which is critical to the American people. And we did that. And we were still in negotiations on this. And it's a damn shame for the American people. This has taken so long. We went down 35% in the dollars, as you know, from 3.4 to 2.2. And frankly, we're prepared to go down further. How low? Well, I think they mentioned 1.8. I think we could work a deal at 1.8. But what we don't want to do is leave the baby behind and save the airlines. I'm for saving the airlines. It's not controversial. Why the president is holding kids and families hostage to do the airlines, I'm for the airlines. They need help. It's a relatively small sum of money in the overall. It's about $20 billion. And we ought to pass that. But uh, we ought not to leave people behind in the process. And hopefully in the next few days, we can get to an agreement that Mnuchin and Pelosi will agree to, and that the president will say is a deal he can take. And if he does, then I think the Republicans in the Senate, at least some of them, will go along and will have enough votes to pass it. If Joe
0: Biden wins in a couple of weeks and you end up with a lame duck session, if there has not been a stimulus passed by then, is it easier or harder with a president elect Biden but a president Trump in the current Congress?
1: I wish I knew the answer to that, because I don't know what frame of mind the president of the United States between November 4th, I think he's going to lose, and January 20th is going to be. Is he going to be vengeful? Is he going to say, packs on all your house? Or is he going to cooperate and be positive? I hope we get an agreement done and passed before then. As you know, the members are on 24-hour notice. I've told them, I will call you back. Within 24 hours of us having an agreement, you can vote on. And I hope that that's sooner rather than later. And I hope it's before the election. But if it's not before the election, I hope we do it soon thereafter.
0: Majority Leader Hoyer, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Welcome back. What we're reading today is a new analysis of Joe Biden's tax proposals put together by AEI, a normally right-leaning think tank. It finds that Biden's plan, if implemented in full, would increase federal revenue by $2.8 trillion over the next decade, primarily through increased business taxes, while its immediate impact on individuals would be higher taxes for the top 5% of households and lower taxes for the bottom 95%. So government revenue goes up, but what about overall economic growth? We asked that of the report's lead author, Kyle Palmerloo, and also asked if and when a similar analysis is coming of President Trump's tax plan.
2: Biden's proposals will raise effective tax rates on work saving and investment, and those things would tend to reduce the size of the labor force slightly, reduce saving, reduce investment. We projected that the effect, however, in the aggregate isn't all that large, that if Biden were to put everything in place that he's proposed, total GDP over the next 10 years would be about 0.16% lower than it otherwise would be. So, to put that a little bit more context, if you take that and spread it out as a change in the growth rate, that's about 1/100th of a percentage point from growth every single year. So it matters, but it's not a huge effect. I will release an analysis of Trump's proposals once he releases TEP proposals. So far, The Trump administration has not put forth detailed tax policy proposals for a second term. So we really don't know exactly what he would do.
0: Today, we're also watching the national coronavirus map, because this morning it didn't include a single state where the number of cases is decreasing. Zero out of 50. And finally, today, in a kind of impossible segue, we are looking forward to watching the sequel to Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, but we won't be watching it in theaters. Instead, Amazon announced that it's bought the film from Paramount Pictures and will begin streaming it just before Christmas. The price tag? $125 million. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiora, have a great national dessert day. That's right, any dessert. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.